For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome back to a brand new edition of Believe in Hills Hoops. I'm your host, Desmond Johnson, joined by my co-host, R.L. Bynum from the Tar Hill Tribune. Special guest host, Pete Chilcutt in the house. We got a lot to talk about uh, in the world of college basketball and in the world of Hills Hoops. Uh, we are your spot to be each week to get an update on the men's basketball team uh, in Chapel Hill. Uh, we'll talk about the Hills' two victories since the last time you saw us, a, a rock fight at Virginia, a 54-44 victory, and then a, a special victory at the Dean Dome Monday night, R.J. Davis with a career night as the Heels uh, defeat the uh, the Hurricanes. We'll talk about those two games. We'll look at the ACC standings, see where Carolina is in terms of the upcoming uh, the upcoming ACC tournament. That's, what, two weeks? So uh, looking forward to that. It's in D.C., I believe, uh, this year, if I'm, not, if I'm correct. So, right. yeah, so we'll look at that, see what the seating is with mm-hmm. all that going on. Uh, Pete will talk a little bit about maybe um, a scoring – situation he may have been in witness to during his time as a player at Carolina, similar to what RJ did on Saturday. If you didn't miss it, go back and watch that game because it is a gym. I'm actually thinking about rewatching it myself. Um, RJ had a couple of threes that were just like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. It's, he's really feeling it tonight. Um, it was like heat check after heat check. So um, we're getting all that as well. And then while I've got both of you guys uh, here, I want to talk about the court storming um, topic that everyone's been focused on after the Duke-Wake Forest game on Saturday. Wake Forest pulling off the upside over eighth-ranked Duke uh, at the Joel and Winston. First time in, I believe, 12 years they had defeated Duke uh, at home. Uh, and, of course, the main story ended up becoming the court storming by the fans. Kyle Filipowski uh, gets in the melee. I don't, I, I don't know. I, I've watched it now a couple of times. I, I see a leg getting stuck out, but that – Maybe that's just the Carolina in me. I don't know. <laughs> so we'll we'll get into all that and whether or not you guys think court storming should be legal or should they avoid it because you can't do it in the NBA. Um, so we'll talk about all that as well. Um, before we get any further, though, I do have a couple of uh, – well, I do have a read I need to get through for Bet Online for you guys, and then we'll jump into it. Uh, Bet Online continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With up-to-the-minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs – with in-game live betting, contests, and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or your mobile devices. Head to BetOnline today to become part of the team and to remember to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, the game starts here. And where we'll start, we will rewind it back to last Saturday. The Hills going up to John Paul Jones Arena uh, to take on the Virginia Cavaliers, a game Virginia Cavaliers. Uh, they scratch out 154-44 uh, in a game, guys, that 
kind of felt close, but kind of didn't. It, it felt like Virginia just didn't have enough on offense to really do this. And like once Carolina got past like 45, 48 points, it felt like, okay, we're, <laughs> we're, we're okay. We're good to go. Thoughts on Virginia. Cause I don't know if I would say they're a tournament team, to be honest. Like they, I saw a stat they've scored 130 something points in their past three games. Like it, they're averaging like 40 three points a game or something in college basketball, division one, ACC basketball, like thoughts on Virginia first, before we talk about Carolina, uh, Pete, we'll, we'll let you go first here. Well, you know, that, that style of play is obviously we're used to it by now. And, uh, I, I, and it's effective. I mean, what they're trying to do, they really do accomplish, but we, we've talked about them having better personnel on the offensive end in the past years. It makes it a little bit more bearable because they could score, uh, more efficiently. Um, you know, that game in Virginia was one of those games where I kept on thinking, why aren't we up more? They hit it. They haven't hit a shot in like it seemed like five minutes. Um, and that was my little worry in the first half was we weren't extending the lead enough. But then, you, like you mentioned, you, you remember it's Virginia. You don't really need a big lead. Um, and if you really look at those stats at the end of the game, like we didn't really shoot much better than they did. Uh, it was just an ugly battle that we got the lead in and we're able to hold off, uh, hold them off. But that style of play is. Uh, is tested, but I don't know that it travels well. So I'm not sure um, once they get away from that home court, um, they don't. They, they just takes it just takes one game where they're not really dialed in defensively, and they won't be able to score enough to win those games. So uh, I'm not sure where they are on the uh, on the tournament projections right now, but uh, it, it is a solid form of, of defense that they employ, but they really don't have that offensive punch this year. They really bothered Armando uh, in that contest too. Um, which isn't surprising. Armando doesn't – he usually doesn't play very well against Virginia anyway. A lot of players don't. Um, RL, what were your thoughts coming away from uh, that 54-44 to 44, uh, Carolina win in a, a game where I think with four minutes left in the first half, Virginia was sitting at eight points, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, what were your thoughts on this contest here? I mean, for, for the better part of the last ten minutes of the first half, quarterback Ryan had more points than Virginia. Yeah, uh, it, it, it was just it was just crazy. My eyes are finally recovering from watching that in person. That was just that was just ugly basketball. But you know, the, the way they pack it in with the defense and over help, if if you pass quickly and uh and um use screens, you can you get open in the perimeter, and that's the flaw of the pack line defense. And Cormac Ryan kind of took advantage of that because he was sinking them. So, uh, you know, that, 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 that was the big part there. You know, if he, if he told me that R.J. Davis would make one field goal and it would go well at Charlottesville, I would not have believed it. But uh, thanks to Cormac Ryan, it worked out. Uh, and you just have to hope that uh, R.J. doesn't have a shooting game like that on the same game that Cormac has a shooting game like he had, uh, I guess, against Miami. Uh, that, that might not go well. Uh, yeah, so Cormac, 18 points, 15 in the first half against Virginia, six three-pointers. Um, with, honestly, without Cormac on Saturday, I don't know if Carolina wins that game. Uh, but then again, that was the type of game that we've watched this Carolina team under Hubert Davis. They would have lost this game the past two years um, in terms of just uh, – there's certain moments in the second half where a Carolina player will kind of just take control of the offense. And we saw it on Monday with RJ uh, when Miami was pushing – uh, to, to tie or to get close, RJ would kind of just take command of, of whatever they were doing and, and everyone kind of just uh, 
I call it the old Chicago Bulls get the hell out the way <laughs> play for Jordan. Like just he's going, he's not passing this ball like that type of thing. And RJ just felt it on Monday. Um, we'll get to that in just a second. Uh, on Saturday though, RJ and Armando struggled. RJ had 12 points all in the second half. Armando only had 10 points and 13 rebounds. Um, it just, it, it was just, we thought it was going to be that kind of game we, when we previewed it last week, but it was just going to be a rock fight. And it was, um, so there's not really much more to, <laughs> to to go through with this one because it again it was 26 to 16 at the half uh, Carolina with the lead uh, and then they both scored 28 points in the second half so it, it just it was uh, it was a Virginia game um, the, the the Miami game though a little bit more uh, exciting Carolina wins 75 to 71 uh, to move to 22 and six on the season 14 and three in conference play a little bit of a different game from R.J. Davis. Uh, 42 points, a career high, um, and he came in hot uh, to begin with. Uh, he, he was the only player for Carolina to score in double figures on Monday. Uh, uh, North Chad O'Meara had 22 points. I was actually really impressed with him from the Miami side. Um, and Miami played, to their credit, uh, I know that they've been struggling. I think they've lost seven straight. Um, they're 15 and 14, 6 and 12 in conference play. Uh, they're not going to have a above 500 record in conference play. They looked like a tournament team at the beginning of the year, and then they just kind of hit a stretch in the ACC where it just kind of the wheels fell off. Um, thoughts on that Miami team, and then thoughts on RJ. Um, we've we've gushed about him every week we've been on, but he took it to another level in that Miami game where he almost was entering Steph Curry territory in terms of like, when the ball was in the air, you kind of expected it to go in after a certain point. Um, just thoughts on Carolina, Miami, uh, or I'll let you go first on that one there. I don't know. I don't know what it is about Miami. They've been struggling seven straight losses. Every game has been eight points or more. There've been two of 20 points or more, but they only lose to Carolina by three in Coral Gables and four uh, on Monday night. And that was without Poplar and Pack. So I yeah. I don't get it. It's just, just, just the matchup, I guess. Uh, they, they they did a good job of uh, doubling uh, Mondo and making it tough for him. But um, I guess that left some openings for RJ. Uh, but, yeah, the, the, the I, it seemed like everybody was enjoying the RJ show and kind of forgot that, hey, Miami still might have a chance to win this game because the inability to break the press, the poor execution at the end, the missed free throws, were pretty troubling to be that honest. That was surprising. Yeah, the free yeah. throws were about to give me a stroke because for some reason we just forgot how to hit free throws the last like three minutes of that game and it made it way closer than it probably should have been. Except Withers. Except for what? Yeah, the last ones. <laughs> as long as we hit the last ones, we're good to go. Uh, Pete, your thoughts on the, the Miami game and RJ's performance? Yeah, well, well. First of all, uh, I'll, I'll talk about just the game in general. First of all, Miami is a is a tough, scra scrappy team. You know, I've seen them play. I think the game before uh, in Coral Gables against Duke, and they just gave up almost. I mean, they got stepped on early, and they just seemed like they they lost their fight. Um, but it seemed like we didn't give them that that extra kick in the head, and they just kept on fighting. And uh, and like you mentioned, it was a little troubling. Um, some of the stuff at the end of the games we got to handle better. Um, um, not necessarily the free throws, because that I mean that's just something we got to make the free throws. But the the pressure, the, the it almost seemed like the lack of days of passing, just just the lack of, of focus down the stretch. Um, 
that that could very easily cost us a really important game, obviously, that when we get in the postseason. So we got to be able to dial that in. And, and I know that Coach Davis covers that kind of stuff. Um, uh, it just seemed like, like you mentioned, maybe there was like they're in awe of, of because I think with about four or five minutes left, it was about a 10 point game. And I think that's kind of lost the focus there down the stretch. Got definitely got to work on that. Um, RJ, though, um, unbelievable performance. Uh, I mean, some of those those drives and hard step backs um, and just the, the, the range. And like you mentioned, it seems like every time he puts it up. It's going to go in. It looks so comfortable. Um, I even thought there was a couple drives there um, that he could have got some more points on, um, you know, lost some balls in the second half. And, and I, I just thought he just played outstanding. Um, uh, the, the fact that he is able to, I wouldn't say turn it on and turn it off, but but to kind of realize that he, he took the aggressiveness up to a little bit different level. I think sometimes he's he just takes what he gets. And I thought he was definitely hunting his shot a little bit more, which is something that is good to see. And yeah, I mean, that, uh, all of what RJ did was good to see, but the disparity between him and the next highest scorer wasn't good to see. I mean, it was the biggest disparity since 1957. And as far as percentage of points, it was the largest since 1941. I mean, that, that, I don't think that's sustainable. You can't count on RJ to do that kind of heavy lifting every game and uh, yeah it was amazing well, I mean, well, he, he, had one, he had one from the uh where murphy would be in the uh the state outline and then that step <laughs> yeah. out three unbelievable it, it just it, it i was in awe with what he was doing but what you know pete was talking about how uh the what coach davis talks about the passing you know other than praising rj in the post game he sounded like it, it was a loss and uh, he was harping on that. I, I know they're spending a lot of time on post-entry passes because mm-hmm. he was saying that they were mm-hmm. they're trying to throw them from too far away and kind of doing leaning passes and yeah, kind of leading, leading yeah. them, leading them rather than passing to to their hands. So I think that's going to be worked on a lot uh, between now and Saturday. I do. I do. Uh... I'm glad you guys brought that up because I kind of have forgotten about it over the past couple of days. The, the last four or five sequences of Carolina trying to inbound the ball and Miami applying the, the full court press on them. And they looked like they weren't prepared for it. And there was like a, a backcourt. No, there was a 10 second violation. Uh, I think Harrison Ingram traveled. Um, they threw the ball out of bounds. Like it was three or four in a row where I was just like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> like what's happening here? Like, why do we keep giving the ball back to Miami? And, uh, Bless his heart, R.J. Davis, man. Uh, the, the one where he took a hard drive and stopped and like stepped back and went behind his legs, through his legs, and then shot it. That's the one where I jumped out myself. Like, oh, <laughs> like oh, because at that point he was just on fire. Um, I, and I was trying to rack my brain to the last time I, I could remember seeing a performance like that. And they said it during the broadcast. Uh, Harrison Barnes dropped like forty on Clemson his freshman year. Um. And I was like, okay, that that's the last one I kind of remember. Pete, do you remember a player during your time? Was it you? <laughs> that had well, it, it was, and that was in middle school. But um, <laughs> no, uh, when I was at Carolina, there was a couple of performances that do stand out. Um, and one was my freshman year. I, I did redshirt my freshman year, but uh, Kenny Smith was down at Clemson, um, and I believe had 41. Um, mm-hmm. And was just, uh, you know, it, 
my memory serves me right, it wasn't as, as impressive as I just saw with RJ, but he was just really on with his three-pointer and uh, just played really great. I had 41 at Clemson. The second one would be, and I can't remember actually who we played against, but Scott Williams, uh, just I think at that point may have been a Smith Center record. He uh, he was 12 for 12 in the field uh, and then had seven free throws for 31 points. And just the fact that he had, you know, 12 for 12 was really impressive uh, for the fella. So, um, but yeah, Kenny Smith and, 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 uh, and it's hard, you know, to, to, to imagine. Uh, I, I wasn't around for any of those ones in between, you know, the Hansbros and the uh, Harrison Barnes, but uh, RJ's has seemed so, uh, I, I just felt like he could have. He- Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Could have kept on going. Like, it was, there was nothing, nothing they could have done to stop them. But it was a yeah, game. they had no answers for him really. Um, in terms and of he's in, he's in great company considering the last Tar Heel to outscore the rest of the team, Michael Jordan. I heard that yesterday, yeah. 1983 against Georgia Tech. So yeah, that's, that's pretty good company, yeah. It's pretty good company to be in. Um, and now forget player of the year of the ACC, I think that's locked up for RJ. I think you really need to consider him national player of the year. Uh, because I was, I was sitting back thinking, I'm like, who else? Zach Eady, I guess, from Purdue. Yeah, he's, um, I think he's he may be the one. I can't think of who else. It, it's gonna be crazy if Caleb Love is in this category too at the end of the year. If Caleb Love and RJ Davis are national player of the year candidates, uh <laughs> with Caleb. I think, I think for sure Caleb and RJ will both be their league's uh players of the year. That's crazy. Yeah. Um that's really crazy. Um I saw a thing about Roy Williams, like pretty much his last full recruiting class. Um, and how they're doing because all of them are pretty much different places now, except for RJ. RJ, of course, we know what he's doing. Caleb Love, we know what he's doing. Uh, I forgot Puff Johnson's at Penn State. Um, Kerwin Walton is shooting like 45% from three or something like that, wherever he's at. I can't remember where he's at at the moment. He's at Texas, Texas Tech. Texas yeah. Tech. And then yeah. there was another one too. Uh, Justin Justin McCoy, Styles at Georgetown. Justin McCoy hit like 26 the other night out in uh, Hawaii. <laughs> so, so it's worked out for everybody. You know, sometimes. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't know how much it's worked out for Don Trez. Uh, Georgetown's just. He started out strong. Team. I remember, yeah, I remember seeing stuff about him early in the year, um, but I haven't yeah. seen much about him since. And I guess Georgetown kind of fell off. So uh, mm-hmm. that's probably why. But I thought it was interesting the last class that Roy really had that was like five star kids and that kind of thing uh, that they all moved mm-hmm. on to other places and they're all doing their thing. So, um, and RJ is shining. This is really, honestly, RJ has been in the shadows for most of his career at Carolina until this year, uh, even the, for the final four run two years ago, it's Caleb love. You see in the silhouettes and the, and the, the, the still frame shots and the, the iconic moments and that kind of thing. It's usually Caleb love shot or whatever it is, but RJ was probably the best player in that run, uh, throughout, um, the Baylor game in particular stands out, uh, as a game that RJ really shined in when they needed him. And now he's getting a lot of now he's getting all the flowers he really deserved the whole time. So I'm really happy for him and uh hope they can keep this up. Um that's even more than he ever scored in high school. His yeah. best game in high school was 41, he was telling us. He when he got to when he got to like 30 or 31, and there was still a whole lot of time left on the clock, and we were kind of in a dogfight. I was like, he's gonna he's gonna get to this record, but I didn't know he's gonna get to 42. Um so 
uh, shout out to RJ. We needed every single one of them too, because no one had scored more than what was it eight? I think for Carolina, uh, nobody else is in double digits. Um, um, it's the most points for a Tar Heel player since Shaman Williams scored forty-two in a ninety-eight double overtime win at Georgia Tech. Um, I'm gonna talk about shooters. Shaman Williams was a shooter. Uh, so Carolina's ranked ninth this week in the AP poll, twenty-two and six, fourteen and three in conference play. And uh, I'll pull up the standings here as we typically do each week so we can take a quick look and just kind of kind of see where everybody is um, and and teams to keep an eye on uh, as we go forward in conference play. Three games left for um, uh, the regular season for Carolina. I, think, oops, I went too far. There we go. And as I expand this, it'll let me. So you got Carolina in first, 14 and three, Duke a game and a half back. Um, the only two teams ranked in the ACC uh, this week, Virginia is still in third place, but three games back, they're pretty much out of it. They can't get that one seed. Clemson is now in the fourth seed. And that's the one spot we've been looking at the, really the past two weeks, that fourth seed, because that's the one, that's the last one we'll get a double buy in the uh, ACC tournament. And you've got this glut here. I'll ask you guys again, Clemson, Wake Forest, Syracuse, Pittsburgh, and I guess Florida State and NC State. Well, no, I think they're too far back. So really, Clemson, Wake, and Syracuse. If you had to choose between those three teams right now, who's going to end up with that fourth seed? Who do you feel the most comfortable with? I was going to say Wake until last night when they, they lost to Notre Dame. So what uh, what team out of those three do you feel comfortable saying that they'll probably get that fourth seed in the double bye? I'd, I'd still go with Wake Forest at this point, despite what happened last night. Uh, I think they're the best team there. But Syracuse has been playing very well. Uh, so they, I don't, they have a yeah, shot at them. I don't know the remaining schedule um, of those guys, who they got left. But I, I think Syracuse is playing really well. Um, but I, I, I just like Clemson. I, I like their, their team. I don't know, again, who they have left. Um, uh, but yeah, that's, a, that's a tough call. Um, I'd probably go with uh, with Clemson if they can hold on to that that four right now. All of them have flaws. Uh, we've seen all three the past couple of weeks. Um, Wake probably had the most impressive win of the year uh, versus Duke on Saturday, and we'll, we'll jump to the court storming thing here in just a bit. Um, and then I, I point, point out on uh, Clemson and Syracuse play um, before the regular season is over, so that might be a key game as far as getting uh, double bottom. Are you worried about Virginia falling further than they are? Because uh, they can't score. They, I mean, they can't score. Um, who do they got? Let's see who they're, they're playing. Virginia. has got to play Duke. Ooh. Uh, let's see. They got uh, at Boston College, at Duke, and then they end with Georgia Tech at home. Georgia Tech, right. Yeah. I, I can see them. I can see them possibly dropping out. Yeah. Yeah, I can too. Especially if they're going to keep scoring the way that they aren't <laughs> right now. That, oh man, like it. They really have a problem. Like I, I don't know what they can do to fix it in season, uh, but in the off season, Tony Bennett needs at that portal and find some scores. Uh, and I know maybe it's hard to find a scorer who also cares that much about defense, but. Um, the rest of them, let's see. So, so the Cavs are on a two-game losing streak. Clemson's won three in a row. So they've kind of turned it around. And Syracuse has won three in a row. So they, they're kind of turning it around. The, the away records, though, are an indicator for me. Clemson six and four away uh, from home. Wake two and eight. Syracuse three and six. So, I mean, looking at that, uh, I think we have Wake coming up here uh, here in a bit. Um, they've got 
At Virginia Tech, oh, no, we don't. Uh, we only played Wake once. Correct. Yeah. Uh, so at Virginia Tech uh, versus Georgia Tech and then versus Clemson. So actually Wake finishes the year uh, in Blacksburg and then their last two are at home. So that actually sets up nice for them. I'm not as worried about them since they uh, they beat Duke. I think that was kind of the big win they needed to get into the tournament. But I don't think they can just rest on their laurels either. They're going to need to win two, well, preferably all three of those games. And then that gives you the four seed probably. I would say – to feel completely safe, they probably need to get to semifinal Friday, I would think, being the four seed. At least get to where your seeding is supposed to have you, uh, and then I think you're fine. But it's not completely over um, in terms of the standings behind Carolina, so we'll definitely keep an eye on that as we go into uh, next week. Finally, um, we wanted to touch on, of course, what happened at the end of the Duke-Wake Forest game. Uh, Saturday, the court storming incident. Um, there's many ways to look at this. I uh, I actually admin a Carolina Duke rivalry group on Facebook that gets feisty at times. And um, the Duke side was basically like, Wake Forest should forfeit the game. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, that's a little extreme, isn't it? Um, and the Carolina guys are more like, well, you clearly can see Filipowski puts his, his leg out and extends his arms or whatever. On one hand, I'm like, okay, I get it. You got kids rushing at you. It's hum- a sea of humanities running at you. But on the other hand, Duke was Duke was down four, 1.8 seconds left in the game. And you could clearly see on television that those kids were going to storm the court. <laughs> like You could see it. So if I know it at home, they're going to storm the court. And everyone else out there knows you're going to storm the court. Why is Flip taking so long to get off the court knowing it's coming? It's almost like he expected them not to touch him because of the jersey he was wearing. Now, your thoughts on this, because I'm sure Pete – Playing at Carolina, you've had situations where a team has beaten you guys and they've stormed the court because uh, it feels like that's what happens whenever you beat Carolina or Duke at home. If it's a typical year for Carolina or Duke, you're going to storm the court. Uh, I saw a stat in the last 37 road losses Duke has had, the court has been stormed 30 times. So this isn't a, situ- this isn't a situation where you don't expect it to happen, Filipowski. Like, you have already had this happen to you already this year. <laughs> so, like, I don't understand why it took so long to get off. And then the incident with running into the, the fans or whatever. Uh, Pete, have you been in a situation like that where you got to get off the court? Uh, I don't remember when I'm watching games like, you know, in the 80s and the 90s, I don't remember it being such a big deal, like for the players to get off the court, or maybe the, the media just didn't focus on it like they do nowadays. But yeah. is there much of a difference in terms of back in the day when you played and today in terms of? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't know if you guys, how far back, I think Ariel might remember this, but um Back in, in my day, uh, Coach Smith had a, a, a firm rule: uh, you, you, the game's over. You don't shake hands. You get up, you run off the court, anyways. Uh, there is no handshake line at all. Um, right. even, even if you knew a guy, he's like, talk to him before the game. Don't talk to him after the game. Um, is, so that for, is that for every game? Every game. Right. I mean, you, you would see routinely Carolina players would hustle. Yeah. Not walk. Hustle. You know, what? the dressing I'm, room right after yeah. the game. No handshake line. No nothing. And that was uh, probably something that Coach Smith uh, wanted them to do because uh, he was worried about fans. Well, yeah. And I'm not sure when it ended, but I think it was pretty soon after um, I left. I think they kind of got back into the line. I'm not sure exactly that timeline. Um, 
But I, I have a little different take on this, and, and I'm going to go back also to Caitlin Clark. Um, mm. You know, I think I think uh, the fact that you're going through on on social media and at home and, and pausing it and looking at legs and, and saying Caitlin Clark flopped on her contact, and uh. I think all that is 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 ridiculous. To be honest, I think um, I would have liked to seen if if that was a he Kyle Kyle got uh, bum rushed basically. There was a and if you been on the court uh, as a player, it, that is not a situation you want to be in. Um, I would have liked to see him lean his shoulder, he'd lean his shoulder in and just bull run over people. Like seriously, knock him, knock them out of the way. I wouldn't be opposed to him punching some people. Uh, I've heard the sentiment from people. Yeah. <laughs> I think that would have, that would have forced somebody to make a decision more, more uh, a, yeah. automatic because I, it's not a situation you want to put players in. Um, just forget the fact that he was a dookie and we all wanted him to, uh, you know, get run over. Uh, it, it shouldn't happen after a game. Um, uh, I think they're talking about on one thing I was listening to where Larry Bird was was punching people after a game one time and he was trying to get off the court. I remember that, yeah. <laughs> I have no problem with that. I have no problem with that. I don't think it's uh, – I, you know, whether he stuck his leg out or not, I would have stuck my whole knee out. Like, I'm not even <laughs> Like, you want to protect yourself and you can't pussyfoot around and try to avoid the contact. You got to go in hard. Um, otherwise, you will get I mean, He got spun around. It was just an unfortunate situation. Um, and I I, uh, I watched a game last night. Uh, well, this morning on Sports Center, we were talking about the guy who hit the, the half court shot for Cleveland. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, did you see the burly, mean looking security guards that were pro? That, that no one was brushing that court. I mean, it, it's, it, it can be done. It can be done. Um, well, that, that's more of a college culture. I don't think that there's much rushing in the NBA. In, in, the, in the NBA, it is well known. If you get on the court, you're going to be arrested. Like, and everyone knows it when you come in there and watch the game. So no one even thinks about it. Doesn't even it doesn't even sound right to, to storm. No, the court no. In the but, uh, I'm just saying that the, the, the security guards look like they meant business. And and I've, if you watch the tape of this of this Wake Forest game, the security guard was waving the waving the, the students on the court. I mean, he was actually saying, "Come on, let's go." So it was it was. Uh, uh, it, they got to do something. Either have, have a have a minute or two timer before they can do that or something. But um, that's kind of how I, I do like that idea. I think, of the, rules, I think the rules committee could come up with something when when a game is clearly decided. Have it set up where the officials can call a timeout with two seconds left, get everybody off the court, and then play the last second, and and clear everybody out. I mean, they're they're ought to be a way to, to control that uh, in that manner where the security isn't ha having to face, doesn't have to face so many challenges. We've had, a, we, we've had this happen to us this year uh, at Syracuse and I thought they handled it perfectly. Um, you know, the end of game blows, uh, the ha handshake line's going on, but in front of the handshake line, they had security. Like you couldn't get on the court until they went through the handshake line. Both teams exited the court. Well, Carolina got off the court. Syracuse stayed out there. And then security let the, the crowd come out and, and uh, storm the, the, the court or whatever. And that worked fine. And no one talked anything about it. And that should have happened at the Joel. I got to admit, as much as I'd like to blame Duke for whatever happened, I've said the Joel is mostly responsible for this. It's almost like the Joel didn't expect to beat Duke. Like, they didn't expect to win. So they weren't prepared for it when it actually happened. But, I mean, that they had 14,000 people in the Joel on Saturday. They had tie-dye shirts on again. Like, Skip Prosser would have been proud. Like, that, that was an old-school – 90s 2000 when wake was like a top 10 team like all like the josh howard teams the chris paul that was like a feeling like that in there on saturday 
And those kids, man, they've been waiting to cheer for something for years. <laughs> so like it, it was a pent up expression of just love for the team. And it was a breakthrough win for Steve Forbes, which I was happy for because I love Steve Forbes. I've interviewed him a few times. I need to catch up with him. Um, and I just thought it was a great win for Wake. And it made me feel bad in hindsight because the Duke fans used what happened with the crowd surf or the crowd storming to talk about that and take the light away from what Wake actually did to Duke. Like uh, Hunter Salas probably had the game of the year um, in that in that game. Like he literally mm -hmm. kept them going. And it, it, it was probably the best game of the season in the ACC, if, if I'm not mistaken, right? I mean, neither team really was ahead more than what, three or four points the whole game. It was a back and forth. Uh, haymakers were thrown and in the end it just it just wake out last of them and, and won a game that they needed at home to secure well potentially secure a spot in the ncaa tournament it had all the storylines you wanted and wake was on the winning end for a change so shout out to wake forest because that was a huge win not just for this year but for steve forbes program like this is his year four and they haven't had a big win like that uh in the whole time he's been there so I just felt like the the court storming took away from that, and the Duke fans gladly <laughs> wanted to shift the focus over to here. Let's talk about Flip. He's hurt. They should forfeit the game. What's wrong with them? Act like you've been there. They haven't been there. <laughs> That's why they acted that way. They're not Carolina. They're not Duke. They're not used to just winning because they're supposed to win. When you get a and, win, uh, and court storming's nothing new. No, 50 years ago on Saturday. I was a little kid in Chapel Hill and was among the uh, fans who stormed the court after Walter Davis hit the bank shot with 35 seconds left. I, I, I actually stormed after the overtime was over. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I still have the tape where I can see myself uh, jumping up and down uh, there. Were you but, scared? Uh, yeah, you, it, it, scared didn't the, it didn't fill the court. It was about maybe 40 or 50 of us out there it wasn't like uh the wake forest scene oh okay so because i was uh, as a kid was it like overwhelming for you to be a part of that and be out there and then but 40 50 people out in the court's a little different than i, I like to see that video yeah yeah i could i could, I could get that video and, uh, and you can see me in the yellow shirt and the blue jeans <laughs> i've never but, um, yeah i mean it was, it was it was amazing uh i i was on the uh first step of the aisle behind the baseline Mitch Kupchak threw the inbounds pass right in front of me when Walter hit the shot. So yeah, it was and I, that would have won. The game. I'll never forget. That that was so that, that was the uh, the eight points in seventeen seconds game. Correct. So you were there part. Oh yeah, um, which was crazy game between Carolina and Duke. And Carolina and Duke. By the time we come back, we'll be previewing Carolina and Duke because it'll be a week from this uh, Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, right. the last regular season game, yeah. So, and we'll be traveling over to Cameron. Uh, Duke's been playing well as uh, also up until that Wake Forest loss. Uh, actually, probably playing better than anybody in the ACC um, until the loss at Wake. So, and I believe they've got Louisville today. So, uh, for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Duke's got some work to do. 
it should. <laughs> you never know uh, in college basketball. Oh, but before we get out of the crowd storming thing, do you think they should ban it? Like, do you think that should be something that's banned in college basketball? You can't do it in any other sport. Uh, I think and the, how, ACC, how least, should, the ACC should at least have some fines. It, I think uh, ACC is the only uh, power six league that does not fine schools. At least, at least have some kind of fine to try to discourage it. Crazy thing is the ACC is the, the league where if you crowd storm or if you uh, court storm, it's probably because you beat one of two teams. Like you either beat Carolina or you beat Duke. Like I can't think of anybody uh, storming the court for beating Syracuse or, or Wake or State or, you know what I mean? Like it's one of those two. If you beat them in your house, you're probably going to storm the court. And again, Carolina, Syracuse did it on us earlier this year. And to, my only thing I can say to the Duke folks, they shouldn't have been surprised that Wake stormed the court again. The past 37 road losses Duke has had, the court has been stormed 30 times. <laughs> so, like, you know it's going to be stormed if you lose in here. So just kind of, you know, get out of the way a little bit faster. Like, it's not your fault, Kyle, but you didn't have to, like, lollygag get off the court. You knew it was coming. So, and I don't know how hurt he was either, like, because they really tried to play that out this week, didn't they? Uh, well, it's his ankle. Well, I think it's his knee. I don't know. Right. See if he can practice. Like, come on, man. Like, like he ain't gonna play tonight. Like he's fine. He hurt himself <laughs> when he stuck that leg out. That's where he got hurt. So, oh man, it'd probably, probably be like a Grayson Allen suspension indefinite. He'll be out indefinitely, which means he <laughs> won't miss like any one game. game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, to, and to Pete's point, if Kyle had done what Pete suggested and just barreled off on someone and like just just lowered somebody, that would have immediately put him on the Grayson Allen Christian Leitner. Uh, scale of just like Duke legends that everyone just despises going forward. Like it would have turned Filipowski into this villain because he's been flirting with it all year. Like some of the comments in the press and some of his plays, a little feistier on the court, that kind of thing. He hasn't fully leaned into it yet, but I feel like before this year is over, we we might see full blown heel Kyle Filipowski like emerge <laughs> and like, take that role because to be honest i feel like it's the only thing duke's missing they, they don't have that guy like that one dude that like everybody points at and they're like we don't like him <laughs> like because he's too good or he gets under my skin they don't really have a guy like that do they it could be flip i would imagine flip would be the one that everyone would target but i can't think of anybody else mccain's not his personality's not really like that a little, little bit of with roach but not not as much yeah a little bit a little bit there, there's nobody that's really on this squad that where i'm like okay that's the pesky one that's the one that's going to get on your skin the do the draymond green dennis rodman type antics or whatnot there's no way like that but flip could and that would be an interesting uh chapter in uh kyle filipowski's career and that definitely would have happened if he had uh, lowered his shoulder and knocked out that weight kid that <laughs> that shot to run past him on the court uh anything else before we get out of here guys uh as we get ready here for uh the upcoming week carolina has uh saturday of course rivalry game nc state four o'clock on espn then on is that tuesday versus notre dame at home both of those games are at home Seven o'clock on ACC Network, and we'll be back right after that. So we'll we'll review NC State and Notre Dame, and of course we'll get you ready for Duke uh, March the 9th. That's a six thirty p.m. game on ESPN. I'd imagine College Game Day will be uh, in Durham. Anything you guys want to touch on before we get out? Well, just notice that it seems like uh, Hubert Davis is really settling into an eight man rotation with Trimble and the Jalen's is is the really the only 
reserves are getting consistent playing time. And then, like, in the second half, even in the second halves of close games, he's really tightened it even more. I think the Jalen's only had six minutes in the second half against Miami and five against Virginia. So, you know, there's talk about him expanding the rotation, but it's not really happening as we go down the stretch. And you just hope you don't see uh, players being tired and making mistakes at the end of games uh, because of that. Yeah, we're not seeing like Zayden High and some of the other guys that we were seeing earlier uh, get minutes. And that's kind of a Roy Williams thing. Uh, Roy would do that, too. As he got through the the conference, he would whittle down his rotation to about about a hard eight um, and and kind of get to the uh, NCAA tournament with his eight. And there's a ninth guy that can get plugged in there if need be, fouls, uh, injury or whatever. Uh, Pete, your thoughts going forward into the upcoming week? Yes, it's the same idea. I I, I think uh, I really like Jalen Washington uh, in the game. I think he he appears a little bit less kind of confident is the right word, but uh, assertive maybe offensively. I think he's kind of bought into the role of just being a rebounder, defensive player, trying to trying to get some uh, good minutes out of that way. But I think he's he's valuable if he can get some offense going. He just doesn't seem to either have opportunities or be looking for him offensively. Um, we're going to need some of those guys. And if you notice the last two, three games off the bench, we, we're not getting much uh, point production. Um, and we're going to need we're gonna need something off the bench. And then we've had it in spurts here and there from both those guys, from all three of them. But uh, I think going into postseason, that's going to be pretty important. So we'll, we'll be back next Wednesday. By the time we come back, they would have played uh, Notre Dame, who no one can figure out. Again, Notre Dame just beat Wake Forest last night, um, but they're at the bottom of the standings. And then, of course, NC State, uh, our rival, um, down the road so we'll, we'll I, I think we're in raleigh for that one because they came to uh chapel yeah. for the first one right yeah so we'll, we'll we'll review those um and we'll preview duke carolina part two uh not get any better than that and by the time we get to that point actually by the time we get back to here next week carolina may have uh sewed up the one seed right or, or regular season championship if they win these two games isn't that isn't that right if they win these two games right. they've already they already they already can be no worse than a, a two seed so if they beat State and Notre Dame because of the tiebreakers, they could lose at Duke and still, still get the number one seed. So, man. yeah. It, it, what it, a turnaround. Uh, shout out to Hubert Davis before we get out of here and the turnaround that the program's made in 12 months. Because at this point last year, uh, it, it felt like the, as a fan, the team was just kind of hanging on. Like we were hoping we could get into the tournament. Uh, we were hoping for wins. Like we were hoping that we could figure this out like on the fly. And this year I feel like, the team feels close. You can feel it watching them on TV that they're actually friends. Like they hang out. There's a difference in teams where like there's a lot of camaraderie and you can see multiple guys hanging out all week long. That kind of like they enjoy each other's company. And then there's other teams where it's like, it's like a job, you know, like you don't really hang out. You can play together, but there's, there's something just kind of missing with it. And my favorite sports teams of all time, when I look back and think on them, they had that camaraderie, like the 2015 Carolina Panthers. Like they had that and it showed through the camera, uh, through the game, through the 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 play by play. You could tell these guys actually really enjoy each other's company. And I catch that vibe with this team, this Carolina team. I'm not saying that they're gonna win it all or get to the final four or anything, but I feel pretty good about them in terms of the different situations they've been in so far this year against top talent this year. And they've succeeded um for the most part. So we'll uh we'll see what they do this week. Um Presented by Bet Online, you can find us on the Believe Podcast Network. Uh, please find us there, rate, subscribe. Uh, you can catch us each week. We'll be back next week 
with a new episode again, previewing the the Duke the upcoming Duke matchup and the reviewing the games against NC State and Notre Dame. So for Pete Chubcut and Arl Bynum, this is Desmond Johnson. You've been watching and listening to the Believe in Hills Hoops podcast here on Believe Podcast Networks. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.